you know, the cyber strategy really did put forward a positive, attainable vision for getting to a place where we're managing this risk, right? I mean, I think today we all fear that there are potential catastrophic consequences of an incident playing out in a systemically problematic way. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, version 2.0 of the National Cyber Strategy Implementation Plan, and more from one of the Biden administration's top cyber officials. It's Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Social Security Administration has banned the use of generative artificial intelligence-based tools on agency devices. The temporary block is meant to ensure the security of data and systems, the agency told FedScoop, calling it a precautionary measure and stating that the agency has yet to use generative AI applications. When asked if the ban applies to agency laptops and mobile devices, a spokesperson said the block is designed to be agency-wide. The move comes as agencies wrestle with how to approach the technology. Some agencies like NASA and the Department of Energy are interested in testing generative AI in a secure environment. The State Department, on the other hand, has considered using the technology for contract writing, and the Justice Department has weighed using these kinds of tools to improve its IT service desk. However, the recent AI executive order discouraged agencies from issuing broad general bans or blocks on generative AI. Instead, agencies are supposed to conduct more tailored risk assessments and create guidelines for the technology, among other measures to prevent misuse of federal government information. In other news, the Senate last week introduced bipartisan legislation that would ban the use of facial recognition technology and the collection of facial biometric data by the Transportation Security Administration in U.S. airports. The Traveler Privacy Protection Act aims to tackle TSA's proposed plan to implement facial recognition scans at over 430 U.S. airports within the next several years. Civil and digital rights groups like the ACLU, Electronic Privacy Information Center, and others have come out strongly in favor of the legislation, which they say will tackle facial recognition technologies infringement on people's privacy and discriminatory practices against people of color and women in particular. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. The White House and the Biden administration have issued a number of cybersecurity modernization initiatives in recent years, from supply chain security to implementing zero-trust architectures across the federal government. Federal CISO Krista Russia recently delivered the opening keynote address at CyberTalks, detailing the latest developments in the White House's push to improve the government's and the nation's cybersecurity, noting that the administration is working on version 2.0 of its National Cybersecurity Strategy Implementation Plan. Let's listen to DeRussia's keynote from CyberTalks now. Well, good morning. Great to see you all. Uh, as Goldie mentioned, you know, one of my, my jobs is as the Federal Chief Information Security Officer. But I have a couple other hats. Um, I also sit in the Office of the National Cyber Director as uh, I was the first deputy uh, back in, uh, named back in October of 2021. And I've had the, you know, pleasure, honestly, of being a part of the growth to almost over 80 people. I mean, we were just, you know, a couple when we started. 
And that's pretty phenomenal growth over a two-year time span. And it's really led to what I'm going to talk about today, which is a ton of new opportunity. Uh, you do not often in these jobs, or you know, one, two, three, however many you're asked to do when you sign up, uh, to have a national cyber strategy signed by the President of the United States, to create the first ever office dedicated to supporting cybersecurity in the White House as its own operating component reporting to the President of the United States. Uh, these are big things. This is a, this is a big moment. And you know, I, I feel really good about what we've been able to do to kind of grab that moment. And you know, so what I'll talk about today is usually I talk about the federal cybersecurity issues, but given my expanded role in ONCD, I'm going to really try to give you a, a, an update um, of, of you know, where, where are we headed and what kind of progress are we making in implementing the national cyber strategy. So just to kind of catch everyone up, um, we, we issued that in March of this year. And then in the summer, we also issued a public-facing implementation plan. And, and that's mostly because uh, we acknowledge that if we're going to be successful in achieving the very positive forward-looking vision that will ensue over the next decade that's described in the president's cyber strategy, it's a public-private collaboration. So if we sort of do that behind the scenes and everyone's wondering, you know, how are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, that, that won't go too well, as we know from, from past experience. And so this is the first time that there's been a public-facing implementation. So if you haven't interacted with that document, please do, because we've put milestones in there and assigned responsibility to agencies, and so you can ask the right targeted questions and also kind of be along for the story. And we're going to update that implementation plan. It's not a static thing. You know, we're, we're already working on version 2.0 as we check off successes, you know, hitting that next public-facing um, series of commitments to make sure that we're really driving forward progress. And, and, and look, you know, those may seem like small things, but I can tell you as someone who's been doing federal cybersecurity for, you know, pushing up on 15 years, right, that, that's not standard. Um, and, and I'm really excited that, you know, we've had the opportunity to do that. So, you know, the cyber strategy really did put forward a positive, attainable vision for getting to a place where we're managing this risk, right? I mean, I think today we all fear that there are the potential catastrophic consequences of an incident playing out in a systemically problematic way. And our goal is to manage that, to get to a place where we can reduce the noise down to um, focus on specific priorities and, and manage those risks. And right now, there's too much noise still, and there's, 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 there's too many things we're trying to do at once. And, and so that is kind of the, the point, is like we're going to get to a resilient future, not one where we disappear this risk, just one to where it's ingrained in society and we know how to manage it, like we do and have for many other risks that we've faced as a nation over our hundreds of years of existence. And, and that is what we're saying. We can do that. And so, you know, if you look through the strategy, the first pillar uh, was defend critical infrastructure because, you know, there, there's a reason that that was up front. We're building off of what we did in EO 14028, the cyber uh, EO. Uh, we're, we're talking about modernizing technology over the next 10-year period. If, if any tech that cannot implement modern cybersecurity protections and or managing that risk and knowing that it's managed, 
right? That is different, right? It's just, it's, we know we can't modernize everything. You can put compensating controls in place, but we have to have visibility on that and assurances that we're actually managing the risk. So that's a, that's a big thing for government to take on. Um, we're also taking a look at the cyber centers. You know, how do we, as a supporting function to critical infrastructure owners and operators, whether they're private sector or state and local, or, you know, municipal run, how does the federal center point get the most efficient it can be using all of our resources? So we're really like we're doing a study and taking a deep dive into what's the current operational standing of all the cyber centers and where are the efficiencies and the opportunities to integrate. Um, we're also doing reg harmonization. If you've been following that, the RFI closed at the end of last month in October, and we're analyzing all those results because one of those ways to go back to the beginning point of like how do you focus on the things that matter, we've got to clean up some of the noise. We have tons of requirements that we put out in all sorts of disparate frameworks, generally driving towards the same desired outcomes. We've got to clean that up, and we're going to. And that's something that you can look at um, the RFI, and, and, and we'll keep communicating on that as we analyze and kind of pull up and lift up the top themes that we want to take on for harmonization. Um, you know, so, so there's a lot going on there. Exercises, you know, you can look at um, the update that we put out publicly to update the National Cyber Incident Response Plan, right? So, so that's something that we've made a public um, commitment to work on over the next year and, and work, that's going to be a public-private thing. You can expect a lot more interaction on that and, and us asking for you, how, like how do we need to update, because it's been about 10 years since we've really, really hard looked at it, um, our national response plan to, to react to these things together. So, you know, a lot in the defend critical infrastructure pillar, which is why it was number one. Uh, you know, the second pillar of the strategy, disrupt and dismantle threat actors. And, you know, again, there's been a lot of work and good conversations that are going to need to continue. How do we prevent the abuse of U.S. Uh, infrastructure by bad guys? You know, and uh, that is obviously not an easy thing. It's a conversation we're having with many of the large cloud security providers, and we don't necessarily have the answers that work for all of us yet, but, we're, but we need to get there because it's within our control to change something there. And then you, you, know, you look at um, the defending ransomware initiatives that we've got because there's a lot of things that are outside of our control in this space. When you talk about the criminal actors that have safe haven, how do you handle that piece of it? Less control, you gotta work with your allies. And so you know, we, we the White House hosted recently a summit for the countering ransomware initiative. Over 50 countries were here in DC. It was great. We got to meet with all of these leaders of all the cyber divisions on the sidelines and just had these meaningful conversations about a myriad of topics. And they're really looking to us for leadership and we're providing it. Um, and there was commitments made about not paying ransom. There's commitments made about sharing meaningful threat information to disrupt these networks. And also also providing training to these countries that aren't going to be able to do that without some help. But if we can put them in our sensor network, if we can put them in our law enforcement cooperation network, we will combat some of those things that have been harder for us to control as, as far as um, you know, disrupting and dismantling threat actors. So that's pillar two. Pillar three, shaping market forces to ensure we're driving resilience. You can look at the cyber labeling program, the US um, Cyber Trust Mark Initiative, you know, like a voluntary initiative being run by FCC to put labels on IoT and smart devices. And you know, we'll, I think that's an exciting thing to explore. It's something that we really should be trying. Um, to, to, to see if that incentive structure can be meaningful and, and, and uh, drive uh, investments. Um, leveraging federal grants, you know, we're, we're coming up with, you know, draft guidance to insert into grants so you can have the right type of cybersecurity clauses and requirements as, as, as grants go out. And you've got to have a balance there as well. You know, you can't be too 
too onerous on that or it won't work, but you know, we're, we're, we're taking that opportunity because it's just like an ecosystem approach and, a, and an incentive, um, creative incentive structure. Uh, exploring federal cyber insurance backstop, right? Something that we've, we've been talking about that for over a decade and we're taking it on again in a meaningful way and having meaningful conversations about it right now in New York City. We've got folks for our team up there having those conversations about how do you do that? You know, with the Treasury Department, all the federal agencies that need to be involved, and, the, and obviously the, the uh, insurance industry. Investing in a resilient future, uh, you can look at the national workforce and education strategy we put out, and, and we're, we're focused on uh, implementing that, and that's both doing a lot to get the national pipeline going and focusing on our federal workforce. Um, driving internet routing security, uh, even some basic blocking and tackling there of getting model contracts that agencies can all sign, ensuring that provisions are things that are signable by the U.S. government. That's actually something that's held people back from working with RN to protect BGP. And it's like, we can do that, you know? You just have to have a concerted effort around it, and we're making progress on it. I'm excited about it. Preparing for the post-quantum future, you can look at the memos we put out, National uh, NSM 10, and really preparing the U.S. government to know where our, our most critical assets are and know where we're going to start when we need to um, really move into updating our, our, our crypto everywhere. And then last pillar is the, you know, forging international partnerships to pursue, pursue shared goals. Right? We, cannot, we, we cannot achieve any meaningful progress in managing cyber risk as one nation, right? That's kind of an obvious statement. And I mentioned some of the things that we're doing, but um, really just kind of investing in these coalitions, both around norms and meaningful cooperation is gonna be one of the most important things we do. And, and this administration is definitely committed to, uh, to working with our partners, uh, like-minded partners for shared goals. So look, you know, kind of it's just like a progress update. I thought that might be you know, beneficial and useful. And there's a lot going on. And the number one theme of all of that stuff is it involves you uh, as a community to sort of achieve success. And we really look forward to continuing to get that feedback as we put out RFIs, public comment, and all the stuff we're doing. Uh, we take it very seriously and we adjust our approach based on it. So thanks for taking a few minutes and have a great conference today. Appreciate it. You can learn more about the National Cybersecurity Strategy at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.